and radio check, please. I'm moving up and down, side to side, like a roller coaster. Esteban, I don't want you fighting with Fernando. Is that understood? All the time you have to leave a space. Just leave me alone, I know what to do. Radio check. Loud and clear. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Radio Tech Podcast. I'm Christina. I'm Ravneet. And today we are back with part two of our There Is Still A Race To Win episode. <laughs> I don't know when we agreed on this name. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I think we just ran over a lot in our last one. We clearly have a lot to say about this topic. Um, we've got lots of mini subtopics, but yes, we, we do have a lot to talk about. So we can just get straight into it. Okay, so the first point that we'll probably talk about is more about inclusivity in the sport. And I think the most obvious uh, person that we can kind of point to and look at in this case is Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion, potentially eight, but never mind. (laughs) Um, The only black man, black person on track, he spoke on the Jay Shetty podcast if you don't know Jay Shetty's podcast get to know it's a really famous podcast it's really good Um, yeah amazing I love this collaboration so much I was so excited when um he had Lewis Hamilton on it and he was a bit of a fanboy himself so yeah it was amazing to listen to so I really really recommend it if you haven't already listened to it on all streaming platforms um, but in this episode, Lewis kind of talked about how it was for him growing up, um, being in the motorsport industry, being an F1 as often the only black person, person of colour, um, a person of an ethnic minority in the sport. Yes, we kind of told his story back for all the way back from when his dad helped him start karting all the way up to where he is now and racing every single week or on race weekends now. And also, can we add that he is still the only black man on the grid and he has been on the grid since like, what, 2007? Seven, I think, seven which is crazy like that's how many is that 15 can't do quick math don't call for me i'm an artist i'm a filmmaker math (laughs) what is it it's gonna be 16 years 16 years and how much change has actually happened over that period of time i feel like over that over this period of time especially after covid on the podcast lewis talks about how he really feels like he talks a lot about his purpose and how his job is at the moment a racing driver and he loves it it's a hobby he loves doing it and he really doesn't really want to stop but there will become a time at some point where he will retire and at that point he might need to kind of refine his purpose but he talks a lot about this on the podcast, so I won't go into too much details. But one thing he does talk about is Mission 44, which, um, as we probably all know, is a charitable foundation that was set up by Lewis and actually launched, I think it was Silverstone two years ago, 2021. Um, that's when he properly announced it. Um, charitable foundation to kind of transform the lives of young people likely to kind of face 
um, discrimination in the world of motorsports. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of the work that is done in that charity um, is kind of making changes through research, advocating for kind of the future generations more so through education um, to kind of embrace diversity and bring that in. And they are heavily supported by MG Protonus, uh, Mercedes. Yes. And other groups like Sky as well. Sky Group. Yeah. Really supports Vision 44, which is mm. great to see. Yes. And something else you talked about in that podcast episode was how Mercedes kind of in 2021 kind of like started to support more uh the purpose like his purpose and I started talking about it more and he I think he was the one who said that Mercedes has like inclusivity and race meetings like every person that works at Mercedes has to have like an inclusivity training and things and he said he was very positively surprised by the fact that no one questioned anything and everyone was very happy to participate and everyone sees the need for it and yeah it's just something wonderful and then Mercedes decides to go for the black car in 2021 um and then the black suits and then the black car is back but let's not talk about that because this is not the moment to talk about the black car but yeah Mercedes is just generally doing a lot to uh, support, encourage, and inspire the next generation of drivers of any race, and not just drivers, uh, the next generation of people that just want to work in motorsports, because they work with schools, they get people to go and intern for them, they do like these activities with schools, actually when they did the presentation of the of this year's car, they had all of these kids that do their like program with them and they're like young kids that were in their like school uniforms and it was so cute and other than them being young there was a lot of diversity in the kids which is very appreciated and very nice to see and I say it as a white woman (laughs) um which sometimes I question like is it my place to talk about this but then like maybe yes it is because I have a voice that is louder than other people and I need to use it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I completely understand that because sometimes we question our boundaries and what we kind of have the right to talk about. But sometimes not knowing what to say and actually holding your hands up and willing to just, you know, put in the effort to kind of look into it and learn about it and be open to it is good enough so yeah I'm really happy that he's kind of held Mercedes accountable for that change and they've actually seen that change in the garage after Covid especially which is amazing to see so I do hope that other teams kind of look into that a bit more yeah um, and and also the drivers association because let's not forget that like the hashtag and racism that they all had on their steering wheel and we race as one was promoted by the drivers association and they do such an incredible job and well I mean Hamilton and Vettel were just like leading it um and I really do hope that George will keep it up (laughs) yeah there's a lot to the sport and I think that having the drivers especially advocate for having bringing in different cultural backgrounds 
is, is just super important. I think it makes a lot of difference to the team and what they stand for because now we can definitely see Mercedes as being a really kind of at the forefront of the sport and being more advanced socially, not just in terms of, you know, developing that car and being kind of on the engineering side of things, but, you know, socially being quite advanced and modern in that sense, potentially. Like going on from that point, I think each team has a different aspect to them in terms of how they stand as a community. So Mercedes, we've just spoken about, but there's also teams like Ferrari who are very... Italian. (laughs) (laughs) They are very Italian. And I mean, as we talked about, like promoting different cultural backgrounds and all of these things, I, I think there's two sides for of like the metal I don't think if that I don't think that makes sense in English in Italian there's a saying that says there's two sides of a medal and there's one side but then you flip it and there's another side and it looks different but nonetheless still important Ferrari is very Italian and as an Italian I really do appreciate that but I also question how inclusive that is because I have looked at some job that are advertised on the Italian on the Italian on the Ferrari page and the jobs are advertised in English but they require that you have a certain level of Italian I appreciate that because it means that they're keeping it in the country and they're hiring people that either are Italian and speak English or learn Italian but most of the people that work at Ferrari are Italian and I appreciate it because they are aiding the job market a lot in Italy they're creating a lot of jobs by sticking to their Italian only kind of plan Um, but at the same time how inclusive is it if you are requiring people that work for you to speak a language that is only spoken in one country in the world. Because someone could argue how inclusive it is that you've required that people speak English, but English is spoken by so many people around the world that it's just in in this globalized world we live we live in, it's kind of uh, the international language at this point. But Italian isn't. And as much as it is a gorgeous language, um, gorgeous culture, and I appreciate them keeping it in Italy and keeping it very Italian and promoting our language and culture and hiring people from Italy and creating jobs. I don't know how inclusive that is. Let's not go too far. I mean, the mechanics, yes, and the people that work there, yes. But also, Fred Vasseur is the only non-Italian uh, team principal the Ferrari has had since something like 2005 or 2006 and then they changed in principles and they only had Italians and that is good because they're in- including a kind of a minority because it's only one country but also there are other minorities that could be included and they're not included does it make, do I make sense? <laughs> yeah, that makes complete sense. It's really interesting because there's completely two sides to this. And yeah, like you just said about keeping the Italian heritage, like Ferrari was born and it's born and bred 
Italian like and it's the oldest kind of team in all of F1 so it kind of makes sense for them to really hold on to that strong part of their heritage but then also at the same time what's to say that any of that would be taken away if they did hire people or have people on their team that weren't Italian or maybe they could have people that are Italian or speak Italian that aren't necessarily Italian but at the same time that raises its own question because that in itself is taking away from the Italian heritage like that's bringing in you know yeah, it's but really they difficult. are they are also requiring that people speak Italian and Italian is not an easy language I'm I trust me I know <laughs> Italian is a is a difficult language and by putting in the requirements that a certain level of Italian is required they are kind of limiting the access to Ferrari. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. And I'm not and talking about like, drivers. I'm talking about yeah. the people that work at Ferrari because we know that Ferrari has had drivers that don't really speak Italian. They speak a couple of words and that is completely fine. But I don't know. Asking that people speak English um, because it's such a spread language, yeah, but Italian is the language that's spoken in, one, in only one country. And it's a gorgeous language. Go learn it. But <laughs> can't just stay on this topic forever. So we're going to move on to a topic surrounding age. Yes. Age, age inclusivity. Age inclusivity. I, yeah. <laughs> Alonso is old, but he's still winning, for example. Well, he's not winning, but he's still getting podiums. He still hasn't him. But then there are so many young drivers that are sitting and waiting to get a seat in F1. I don't know. It, there's it, Again, it's a, there's two sides to it. And it's a difficult kind of conversation because on one hand, you have older drivers who are still killing it. But then you have these young drivers that some of them don't have access to F1 and they decide to go somewhere else. Like, see Nick DeVries. Nick DeVries realized he couldn't get into F1 when he got out of F2 and started to go in Formula E. And now he's finally in F1, but he's one in a million. So, yeah, they're occupying a seat for that could be given to younger drivers but also they're still getting good points and still killing killing it still being good at it so it's kind of I don't know it's a hard it's a hard thing to like decide on and at the same time for example the FIA after Max Verstappen has put an age limit a minimum age limit because Max Verstappen arrived at 17, didn't have a driver license, but he was driving an F1 car. Um, so they put an age limit on that because Max Verstappen was very, very young when he arrived. But it's not really an age limit. They require you to have super license points and all of that. And I think a driver's license too. But yeah, it's it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing and a difficult topic, I would say. Yeah, especially when it comes to older drivers leaving, because I feel like for younger drivers, if teams have enough confidence in 
the new drivers and they think that they could they are good where they are now like Max coming in at 17 he could easily be seen as having a lot of talent and stuff so they were quite confident to take him on but then it's more of a question of should there be an expiration date for the older drivers to kind of leave the sport um and there isn't and teams aren't really going to be the ones to push them away because that's kind of rude <laughs> I don't know if that's really acceptable but I think that that comes with I don't know I think older drivers will probably pick that up when discussions about taking on you know looking at younger talent comes in and then the older drivers might probably start looking and discussing with their teams at future options and you know thinking about time thinking that it might be a good time to move on but it's difficult because Fernando Alonso the oldest man on the grid right now like look at him if we said a couple of years ago when he wasn't winning or on podiums right now that he would be kind of like leaving or like that he should potentially look at retiring or something just because of his age like look at him now he's getting podiums and could potentially get some wins this season as well you know so I don't know it's difficult it's really really difficult yeah but I mean Alonso is 41 he's I think just four years younger than Lewis Hamilton oh four years older older yeah not younger yeah older (laughs) he's but he's 41 and that's not Oh, that's the thing in sports and world. In, in sports, world, it is. Yeah, yeah. There in other sports, there are kids retiring at eighteen. <laughs> yeah, it's which is an, which is another problem, which is a whole different issue that we. Yeah, that's we're... a whole different topic. But I think in terms of inclusivity, there's not really a problem in terms of age because I think they have a really wide range of ages on the grid right now, and they're not really pushing people or setting harsh boundaries on having people that are too young or too old so I think that it's kind of okay um at the moment and in terms of what do you partner. think what do you think about the Max Verstappen rule that was put in place to avoid youngsters like smart like Max getting into F1 too soon it's that's a difficult one because he's clearly he clearly kind of deserved it and I you know if they put him on hold for longer and said you must wait until you're I don't know over 18 or over 21 or then would he have two world championships under his belt right now I don't know because then those years of experiences counted for something because they allowed him to race so it's difficult but then can a person be too young probably I mean if he doesn't have his own driving license but he can clearly drive a car at like what 300 (laughs) kilometers per hour miles per hour I you know but also think about how how many crashes they max cars before he matured but then also Yuki got into uh f1 older than Max and is still a menace (laughs) sorry Yuki (laughs) like yeah in some cases age doesn't you know correlate with maturity in terms of driving or driving styles like just because someone's been driving for 30 years doesn't mean they're a better driver than someone who's just got their license and has been driving for one year I mean I mean experience experience counts for something but it's also 
confidence and sometimes people are just naturally able to do yeah. some things better than other I mean, people but they are just like again one in a million Max Verstappen he is exactly an amazing yeah. natural talent but also yeah I just I personally don't agree with people talking about driver's age um just wanted to make that clear <laughs> but I do think that it's a if we wanted to talk about it's a difficult topic to talk about um I mean that's the reason why why Alonso left Alpine because they were talking about his age too much in his opinion and I agree but also I understand that Alpine doesn't want to give a multi-year contract to a 41 year old driver because athletes have an expiring date so we kind of have to talk about age it's not nice to talk about it it's not easy to talk about it but that there's some level of it to be considered and again when drivers were when athletes in general are coming into a sport too soon that might also be bad for their mental health um and in some sports it's also bad for their physical health I don't know about driving I don't think so but I'm a big fan of figure skating and these 14 year old girls who are competing in seniors 14 15 year old girls who are competing in seniors and are doing this like crazy jumps they're retiring at 18 because their bodies are broken because they're being pushed so much when they were so young that now they can't move their backs anymore and it's yeah it's it's a strange topic to talk about but i think it's kind of needed to talk about Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the beloved pay drivers. <laughs> Another difficult topic. I feel like this is a difficult episode. F1 is not an inclusive inclusive sport when it comes to financial background because it's an expensive sport. It's crazy expensive. Those drivers who just pay for a seat, they kind of make it even less inclusive. But then again, they can do it. You can say it's not nice to do it, but if they can, why wouldn't they? And also, we talk a lot about paid drivers when it's a bad driver, like Mazaspin, for example. He is a paid driver, but no one says that Niki Lauda paid his way into F1. He took out a loan to pay his way into F1. And no one talks about that because Niki Lauda is Niki Lauda, you know? And it's not exactly the same because his dad didn't, didn't like, buy an F1 team. <laughs> but Lance, I'm looking at you. It definitely holds the same principle in terms of the money part of it. It's so interesting. I feel like we've touched upon this topic before. Would it make a difference? See, this is what thought goes through my head. Would people have a different opinion on this if it brought in inclusivity in a different way in terms of if someone of an ethnic minority was paying their way into F1 or, you know, was in the same position as someone like Lance Stroll? Because technically that would make the sport more inclusive, but also at the same time, financially, no, because people from like less well-off backgrounds that don't come from money, but at the same time, culturally, (laughs) that would you know that would take away from that but at the same time it's it's such a difficult one because then do we say that where do we draw the line on this like yeah yeah where do we draw the line because 
you've got you have paid drivers such as Nikita Mazespin who are taking up a seat because they are a disaster, but they're taking up a seat because they're paying for it. But then you have other paid drivers who are actually good or also Nepo babies who are actually good. And no one complains about that. So where do we draw the line? Exactly. It's difficult in society when so many people come from such different backgrounds growing up. But also Nepo babies. I'd not heard of this term. (laughs) Nepo babies? I've heard of the concept once Christina had kind of explained it to me because it kind of makes sense as to what it means. But I've never heard of the term Nepo babies before. (laughs) I, I cannot believe it. Like, I'm... (laughs) <laughs> I'm in distress right now I need to know what our listeners think have they ever heard of this Nepo babies yeah okay so a Nepo baby is someone for a- anyone else who doesn't know what a Nepo baby is which I think is just you no offense um it's someone who does well in a field or is in a field uh, that their parents were in and did well in, and so they become Nepo babies. Um, some Nepo babies obviously make Schumacher. <laughs> obviously, Max Verstappen, because his dad was an F1 driver, and also he grew up going on, hol- on family holidays with Michael Schumacher's family. So Max Verstappen is an Nepo baby. But again, no one talks about it because he's good. No one mentions it because he wins anyways and he does better than his dad. But no one mentions it. And when it comes to Mick, people mention it, but they kind of like expect from him to be as good as his dad. Um, So again, it's like a double, is it like a double... Thing, sword. Double, double-edged sword. Yeah, double-edged sword to be an Apple baby. And then you have people like Lance Stroll, who is the Nepo baby, because I don't know if you can fit Lance into the paid driver category or if he's just a big Nepo baby. He's the Nepo baby because his dad owns a fucking team. <laughs> Like, his dad is not a driver, but he owns a team. Like, that is a Nepo baby. <laughs> yeah. Um. But there's other big names in the world of motorsport in F1 that when we actually started kind of listing them, I was like, wow, we never really think about them or talk about them. Like, Carlos Sainz, his dad as well. He, yeah, like, we never... I well, I personally never like think of that link. I only ever think of Mick Schumacher. Yeah. So Nico really Rosberg. Good. Yeah. Kevin <laughs> Magnussen. That's one that I've never thought of. Kevin, yeah. Because all these people have links and have you know their dads who were in F one previously or you know stuff like that. It's just it's interesting. We only ever kind of think of Lance Stroll and Mick Schumacher because. I don't well, know. Yeah. Well, because they're the ones that don't do as well for Mick and then for Lance, I think it's because it's just blatant. Um, but I think Lance would be in F1 regardless of his dad. Because yeah. Lance 
Let's not forget that Lance was in the Ferrari Drivers Academy and he started in F1 at Williams, not in Racing Point or Aston Martin. Again, where do we draw the line with that? And then you have Damon Hill, who's an Apple baby. And then you have Jacques, Jacques Villeneuve, who's an Apple baby. Nelson Piquet. Junior. Piquet Junior. <laughs> Who's an Apple baby, but also he was also in Crashgate, which is why I remember it for, not for being an Apple baby. <laughs> I remember it from Crashgate. It's so difficult for us to just say yes or no to these types of things or say you agree or disagree because all of these drivers, how, like we wrote, we know these are kind of big names and it's not just because they're Apple babies and have had previous links to the sport. Right. Take it out of, a big money sport and put it in a smaller sport or even like life if your dad for example was a shoemaker and you grew up around his shop and you learn to make shoes from your dad and then you take over his shop aren't you an apple baby yeah but i don't see how that in that case it doesn't look like it's a bad thing exactly you're just you took on his hobby because you're surrounded by it and you clearly you know if if the kid didn't like it hopefully they would be in an environment to choose something else but because they were surrounded by it that's all they knew hopefully it's something that they did like and if they do then what's wrong with it and bring it to smaller sports again i watch a figure skating a lot Bring it to smaller sports. There are so many figure skaters whose parents were figure skaters or whose parents are coaches. And no one kind of questions that because you're like, well, it's normal. Your mom is a figure skating coach. You grew up with your mom bringing you to the rink when you were little and you just picked it up. But they're still Napa babies. Exactly. I think it really, in conclusion, comes down to the level of sport in F1. There's so much competition to get into it. It's a very restricted sport. And there's only 20 drivers in the whole world. So I think that's why people will look at it in so many different angles, critique every single thing and rule and boundary that it takes to get into F1 to really, because it's so restricted, that's kind of why. And also, I think you can criticize Napo babies when they're not good at it or when, when they're not good at the sport that they do or when and they still get the place or when they don't admit that they're Napo babies. Like, take, for example, a Nelson PK Jr. He was an F1 for, what, two, three years? And he managed to get himself into Crashgate, um... I think the negative talk around him stems from Crashgate, but then he's also an Apple baby. So that's like, we talk about him on that side as well. But then you have people like Kevin Madison. People don't even know he's an Apple baby because he's a decent driver and no one complains. But then you have people like Mick, who is a big Apple baby and people kind of don't criticize him for that, but hold him to a higher standard for that. So it's kind of like also personal and the way they're talked about as Nepo babies changes based on who they are and what they do 
how much they win, how they drive, and what people expect from them. Because no one expected from Max Verstappen to be like this great driver just because he's a nipple baby, because that wasn't an amazing driver. But he's got more championships that is that well, his dad never got one championship, so and he's an amazing driver. So no one mentioned that he's an apple baby. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's got a lot to do with the exclusivity part of the sport, because if it was more inclusive, maybe people would have a different opinion on it. Yeah. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We had more to talk about, but I guess we have to do a part three. <laughs> yeah. I love this episode. It was one of my favorite ones to film and talk about and to have these conversations, which are actually sometimes quite difficult to talk about, especially to do with such a massive sport. It's going to (laughs) end. Yeah, we're coming to the end of this episode. We have very limited time, so we're going to say our goodbyes and we will see you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. (laughs)